This is Talk is Sheep, a podcast by the Wild Sheep Society of British Columbia. Come along as we take conversations that matter to you into the high alpine. Mr. Hamilton. Don't make me talk too much. No, you are sickly. Um, yeah. Yeah. Took two years to get the big COVID, but yeah, it's taking its time through the house now. So good times. Got the uh, the text from you like, do you mind doing most of the talking? Because I can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, i just keeping that uh, mute button pretty close so I uh, don't go into a hack and fit. Yeah, funny, not funny, but uh, glad that glad you're on your feet and or at least on your butt, I guess, and not no, not yeah. laid out right. So it's been four days I was laid out right, but you know what it's like. You had yeah. it last year. Was it last year? I I did. Yes. Yeah, so good I've, times. I've done my done my COVID penance. <laughs> so this is a great uh, listen. Uh, Gold Alliance. Great organization, great people. Uh, we had their chairman, Jason Peake, and Darren is the secretary, I believe. Secretary. He, he had a whole bunch of different terms there. He, Darren Darren's just does everything, kind of like with us. He does, doesn't he? He truly is. You know, uh, you'll hear on the, the show, we talk about it. These two are conservation superheroes. They're giants. They both do a ton of work, and they're not – they don't hang their hat on one organization. They do a ton of work for a bunch of different conservation organizations. And uh, throughout my conservation career, if you call it, that's probably not the right word, but I've been inspired many times by Darren. Um, just see what he does and how much he gives and how much he cares. He's just so benevolent and such a hardworking guy when it comes to conservation. And you oh, know, yeah. I haven't known Jason as long as I've known Darren, but Jason, the same thing, you know, the work he does all across the board for conservation is f- phenomenal. So. Oh yeah. Darren, Darren affectionately calls himself the fluff, the fluff guy, right? We're not going to call him a fluffer because that's a whole different term, but uh, <laughs> he's, he's so much more than that. Like he's so humble and uh, he's one of those ones that you kind of aspire to leave a footprint like he does. Yeah, doing it for the right reasons. I love hearing that word, and and uh, I couldn't think of two other gentlemen that that uh, it's more appropriate for. So yeah, we sit down with Jason Peak, chairman of the board for the Rocky Mountain Gold Alliance. Darren App, he's both of them are board director, board of director members, and um, Darren's the secretary. Do a fantastic job for the Gold Alliance. Great talk here. We talk about goats, um, the great work the alliance is doing. They've grown a lot lately. They're doing some really fantastic things. Um, really exciting where they're going, and, and uh, these two guys have been a big part of that. Absolutely, and they got some big things up this this uh, weekend. Like they, this is going to drop just as they start their uh, their well their version of a conservation run up, right? Like uh, I don't know what they call it. We call it the salute to conservation, and what do they call it? They're they're just their fundraising week or whatever. But yeah, that's that, I'm excited to see what they got up for grabs. Yeah. So any of our supporters and listeners that are on the show. Check out the Rocky Mountain Gold Alliance. Think about picking up a membership. Um, they're, again, a great organization. They're looking after goats. Uh, just believe in what they're doing. And mountain species, they take great care of them. Um, they So you can get a membership with them. But uh, they have their, as Steve mentioned, their auctions going from the 21st to the 27th this week. So get on there, bid some stuff up, buy some stuff, and just support a great organization. And you're going to find some cool stuff that you're going to be able to, to take home with you as well while you're at it. So... Um, on that note, a huge thank you to all of our supporters, donors, members, everyone that made our uh, 
salute to conservation possible. A fantastic weekend uh, for fundraising. Just such great support. And uh, thank you to each and every one of you for making making that event possible. Um, we awarded $150,000 in prizes through our wild sheep raffle. Oh, yeah. And we dropped three new raffles. So um, we've got our um, – our, uh, what is it? It's a dull sheep hunt yeah. um, with uh, Kusawa. And then we've also got um, two raffles. We've got a, a Zeiss raffle. Uh, an optics package and a stone glacier raffle. So stone glacier, our conservation partner, we've done a raffle. Uh, this thing's going to sell it fast. So if you're thinking you might want some tickets, you better get them now. Cause they're not going to be around long. Like what are the odds lightning's going to strike twice and I'm going to win like another hunt after this, this past salute to conservation win. Dream on young man, dream on. Hey, so I can always try. <laughs> yes, you can. So with that, uh, what does Jason call it? The bastards of the mountain. With that, we're off to episode 67, Rocky Mountain Gold Alliance, Jason Peak and Darren App. Enjoy the listen, and thanks for tuning in to Talk of Sheep. If we told you tomorrow that elk, black bear, and bighorn sheep were next, would you speak up? Wildlife needs to be managed by science and not by emotion. And you don't have to be a hunter to take part in this movement. You just have to want sound management of our wildlife in BC. Go to wildsheepsociety.com slash act now to use your voice and demand that BC not use our wildlife as pawns in a game of social management. Act now. Or the things that you love could be next. Jason, Darren, welcome to the show. Go boys. Thanks, Kyle. Yeah, you guys all look good. Looking uh, looking a little better than last time we had a chance to chat. So everybody's got hats on but me. I kind of feel out of place. Well, you're looking... <laughs> Pretty officious, but being uh, okay. Now I don't want to mess this up. It's not president. You're you're chairman, aren't you? Yeah, chairman of the board of directors uh, for the Rocky Mountain Goat Alliance. Fantastic. Yeah. So okay, I got to get the terminology right. And Darren, let's get the official. I think I called you something I shouldn't have last time either. So I'll let you do your official introduction as well, please. Well, I'm also one of the board of directors, but I think. Somehow they officially got me connected to a secretary position, which I'm not sure how I fit into that. But uh, I guess just uh, in order to keep things all aligned and rolling. Awesome. Yeah, I couldn't think of two better guys to lead that organization and just love what's happening with the Goat Alliance these days. There's so much great stuff coming out of uh, what you guys are doing. And, uh, you know, obviously the Goat Alliance has done fantastic for years, but uh you know, since the two of you have been involved, uh, we've seen a lot of changes. And I know you're going to sit there and tell us, well, it's just not the two of you. And I know it's not, but it's the, no coincidence that you guys are leading the ship as well. So let's talk about what's new with the Goat Alliance. Yeah, we got, uh, gosh, it's it's uh, just talking to one of the other directors this morning, Becky Martello. We, you know, it's it's we're reconfiguring and reorganizing basically everything from the top down over the past little over a year. So it's, you know, we could, we could chew up a lot of time just talking about what's new and what's different. Um, We went through a a pretty good and pretty significant change in our board of directors. We've got a really active board of directors uh, just since basically the beginning of 2021. Um, Darren and I have both been on the board for quite a long time, uh, but I think both of us would say that this is the strongest board and the strongest representation and and the most diverse representation uh, that our board has seen 
since we started the organization back in 2014. So um, it's it's fun, it's exciting, it's it's minimally right now it's a part time job. Um, it, it's it, there there's so many different directions we're going, and we'll we'll cover as much as that as we can today. But uh, we just seem to be going in so many different directions and so much growth, so much potential that we're seeing. Uh, it's it really is. It's motivating. Uh, it's hard work. It's uh, at times it can be thankless work, uh, but at the end of the day, it's it's fun work because we're we're reaping the benefits of quite a few years of of hard work behind the scenes, and and now we're starting to see it kind of flourish. And our numbers are increasing. Our our footprint is increasing. Our reach with our resources within the organization. Uh, we're 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 dedicating a lot more resources to a lot, uh, to, to a vast, uh, uh, field of, of different folks that can use us, whether it's, uh, money, whether it's boots on the ground, uh, stuff like that. So yeah, it's exciting. It's fun. And, uh, I, we appreciate you, you letting us come on and talk about the organization and kind of getting, getting us out there a little bit more. Yeah. Fantastic, Jason. So, Let's let's talk a little bit about that now. So we look at uh, the Goat Alliance, and, and you guys are, you know, in the grand scheme of uh, conservation orgs when we compare to a Ducks Unlimited or Wild Sheep Foundation or Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. I think membership wise and financially, you're maybe not quite as big of a organization. So, you know, I look at our little chapter here in BC and the work we're doing, and we got so much work to do in the ground in BC alone. How do you guys prioritize what you guys do for? For goats, where did, how do you manage those resources? Um, is it the area of greatest need? How, how do you manage where you're going to put your money and your boots on the ground? Well, we we tend to. That, that's a great question. We we've got a we've always been kind of a, a boots on the ground organization where our membership gets involved with a lot of uh, goat surveys, uh, uh, assisting. Uh, federal, state, provincial uh, organizations in performing goat counts and stuff like that. So that's always going to be a, a mainstay of where we dedicate resources. Um, we, we also financially assist uh, those organizations uh, through uh, uh, what we've got now is, is our Science and Conservation Committee has an application process that we're following um, so that it's not a, a, a piecemeal here, there, whatever type of system we're, we're streamlined in. If somebody wants either time or dollars, they apply through the Science and Conservation Committee. The Science and Conservation Committee then reviews the proposal. And these things get pretty in depth um, and, and they'll make recommendations on the amount of money that or the, the type of resource that. RMGA should dedicate towards the project. That then comes to the board um, and we look at it through the board and, and we just, you know, basically discuss it and see if it's something that, that obviously the Science and Conservation Committee is not going to send it to us if they don't think it's something that lines up with our mission statement. Um, but then we as a board look at it and uh, I, I can't think of a time when we haven't taken the Science and Conservation Committee's recommendation on whether or not to support it and, and then to what extent. Um, so that's kind of the process. So uh, not only are, there, are we doing the GOAT surveys, um, we, we've got great opportunities. We just had an opportunity come in 
to help uh, up in Glacier National Park with a project that's going on up there. Uh, Darren can speak more to uh, another really cool project, and it's a gal that you guys have had on, uh, Laura Balix. A um, couple weeks ago, she just sat and and uh, uh, Darren was was able to to attend, and I think you did too, Kyle. Her uh, master's defense uh, on her project. Um, that's a cool story. That was an easy no-brainer project to help fund, uh, and that was kind of you know it. it the money from us kind of trickled down through uh, the the BC uh, organization down to her to help partially fund her project. Um, but that's the kind of stuff we're looking for. And uh, it, it's, it's a fun process to sit and watch because we're, we're taking resources that, that we're getting from all these efforts and we are channeling it to mountain goat specific projects, whether it's a government project, a private project, uh, stuff like that. So um, that, that's sort of our procedure uh, and and it's it's much more streamlined. It's it's much more efficient, and I think it's easy. It's it's easier to access by the folks that truly need the money. Yeah, that's awesome, Jason. So maybe let's dive into that a little bit and talk about some of kind of the the big projects that you guys are focused on, or or sort of the major ones that you're working on. You talked about uh, Glacier National Park. We can talk into the, about that, or we can talk about. Uh, cathedral, the Lori Balick study, um, but kind of what are the big ones that you guys, I know you guys have been involved with a bunch of transplants and stuff like that too. So I'd love to hear kind of what your your main projects are that you guys are working on, you know, currently or, or recently, I guess, or maybe coming up too. Yeah, I think that's a good opportunity for Darren to kind of highlight what Laura did because it's such a cool story. Well, the, the crux of what she was uh, looking to defend in her thesis was um, the uh, helicopter and, and human interface in Cathedral Park, um, trying to understand the um, potential conflicts that, that exists and the impacts to goats um, in that area, which uh, obviously didn't have any hunting pressure, so it, it was a fairly uh, consistent uh, place to do or perform such a, a study. Um, so uh, what uh, essentially can be taken out of uh, a study such as that is something that we can use uh, throughout our, our uh, jurisdictions in, uh, as far as goats. Uh, so much of probably the, the most important part of what we're facing right now is recreational impacts on goats. So I think that uh, ultimately as people start to uh, penetrate further into the the uh, nature uh, to get what they need out of out of life and uh, to recreate uh, they're going to probably start to influence wildlife in general at a at a larger pace and if we can understand more about what that impact looks like we uh, have an ability to at least uh, control uh, the way that we do that, whether it be um, uh, controlling uh, winter activities in certain areas where there may be either sheep or goats uh, in their winter range or, or stuff like that so that we kind of protect those very sensitive areas. Yeah, for sure, Darren. It's interesting with, with Laura's study there. 
uh, one of the things they were doing was I think they were they were trapping and collaring some of these goats. And um, can you tell tell what their traps were like? I'll let you spill the beans on that one. It's such a cool story. Well, well, the only the time that I was there actually, we had to uh, redeploy a collar for the uh, one mortality that they had uh, on site that. Uh, uh, younger Billy had actually died of uh, malnutrition for some reason up there. But uh, what we had is a, uh, they call it a clover trap. It's essentially a framed uh, a net in a frame uh, that uh, is usually baited with some form or other. In, in the case of mountain goats, uh, in that specific region and many others, is they have a huge dependency on on uh, urine or or sources of salt to supplement their uh, uh, desire for the the minerals that they need and uh, so they had salt blocks in that particular one and they always seem to top them up with a little bit of fresh uh, human urine just to make it uh, uh, the best trap it can possibly be that's <laughs> uh, it's a hilarious story but yeah, it was interesting when uh, we did that podcast with Laura. She was talking about how quite often that you know these there's a, a lot of human uh, goat impact areas where you know these campsites because there is so much urine. People, you know, they, they're trying to get these campsites established and stuff, and people use the facilities. But invariably, somebody wakes up in the middle of the night, goes out and pees, and then the goats they're licking it up in the next morning. So there's always this interface where they're always running into to issues with that. So I, I always thought that was a, a fairly interesting story. But Darren, would you mind talking a little bit about uh, that cathedral uh, study? And, and uh, I don't think the, from what I got out of Laura's um, thesis, uh, you know, it was a lot of uh, the impacts of aerial stuff and, and concerns around that. Can you talk to that a little bit more about what the study itself um, was primarily focused on? Well, like I say, it, it was to substantiate the uh, human and goat interface, primarily due to that uh, that need or that desire for goats to to be attracted to humans because of uh, salt sources. Uh, but in terms of the helicopter one, that's a huge one, especially in some of these mountain areas that have uh, so much recreational. Uh, impact from helicopter skiing and such, or helicopter logging. Um, so, unfortunately, it, it, it was a little difficult in that particular study she was involved in because the uh, trying to synchronize the, uh, the timing on the caller data with the, uh, the, in that particular park, there's a training um, a helicopter training facility that uses the park and has under some grandfathering uh, clause and it was hard to get that data synchronized between the two um, individual uh, requirements um, so unfortunately I don't think it got quite the results or or the data was was hard to modify because of that but uh, it, uh, it certainly did lend itself towards the cool thing is this is a dog friendly podcast was that rocky or who who was that uh that was both of them <laughs> okay a, a visitor awesome. out here in the desert so 
Um, okay, so very cool. So on your studies then, um, with regards to um, the work you guys are doing, what what would you say um, then, like uh, we talked about this human interface and obviously these are all human impacts. What is the big, biggest threat to Rocky Mountain goats? Is it habitat loss? Is it uh, um, non-consumptive users? Is it hunters? What What's the main well, we know it's not hunters. Who are we kidding? But um, what, what's the main threat to, to goats? What's on your radar? Like if you had to fix one problem for goats, what would it be? And, and kind of uh, kind of how are you guys addressing those issues? That, that's a that's a pretty it's a broad question. And, and it depends really on the the region and, and you know, kind of the area that we're talking to uh, about. Uh, any one of our biologists could could spend hours talking about that. Um, because you get a lot of kid mortality issues and, and, you know, you got predators that are, that are picking off kids before they're able to, to take care of themselves. Um, you've got some, some human interface, uh, issues like Darren just talked about and what Laura was, was, uh, uh researching. Um, and, and, you know, quite frankly, it's like we've talked about before, um, uh, Rocky Mountain goats, they, they kind of have a, they're, they're the, 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 the bastards of the mountain. And, and so sometimes in some places it's the federal government or the state governments that are their biggest enemy. So, um, and, and we can talk about that, like, you know, the, the Grand Teton issues and the Olympic National Park issue. Um, so it, it really does kind of depend uh uh, locally, uh, disease is another issue. Um, uh, you know, we, we've just got so many things that are we're battling on all fronts, which is why our science and conservation committee is just such an integral part of what we do. We really rely on them to stay up out at the forefront of some of this stuff. Um, and and quite frankly, our, our regional representatives as well. Uh, we the, the board we just can't stay on top of every mountain goat issue. Um, but we, in our regional representative program, we've got folks that are more, more localized that kind of keep on top of mountain goat issues and then relay that information back to us. Um, and so we rely on them to help us out too. Uh, it seems lately uh, that a lot of our resources are going more to the study of, uh, like the Glacier National Park, the new one we just got, the request we just got. Um, they're, they're wanting to go in and take a look at, at some genotypes, which that stuff is way above my pay grade. I don't know what the hell that stuff's about, but um, they're, they're engaging in uh, the use of citizen scientists. They want to really focus on that, which obviously is something that's in our objective as well. We've always pushed that um, and, and sending both money and, and, and uh, uh, time resources their way to help accomplish that. So it's a really good question, Kyle. And, and I think, you know, in three months, we could be here talking about a completely different uh, threat to mountain goats uh, because, you know, uh, last September it, it was, it was uh, government agencies that we were feeling threatened by because of the Olympic national park and the grand Teton stuff. Uh, now we're kind of, you know, we're, we're, we're still, we're always going to be constantly battling disease stuff. That's, that's never going to go away. And that's more of a human interface domestication type stuff, domestic animals interfacing with, with mountain goats. Um, and, and Laura just showed us, uh, how even inadvertent stuff like helicopter flights can, can impact 
mountain goat movement and, and possibly pushing them off of winter ranges or, you know, stuff like that. So it's, it's a constant battle. Um, it's a great question and I wish I could answer it, answer it thoroughly, but it seems like it's always changing and our targets always shifting to a different area. Yeah, I think you did a really good job there. Uh, put put a tough question out to you, and you, you touched a lot of the bases there, Jason. It's cool. So, you know, do you mind if we dig down a little bit? You talked about Grand Teton and the Olympics um, and government agencies. Can we just dive into that a little bit and get a little bit of background for our listeners on what happened there? That one's really interesting to me, and um, you know, and it, it's interesting because we have two competing ungulates, right? Uh, it's uh, it's an interesting in that regard. So, I want to hear kind of your guys' overview on it. And it's such a, a difficult issue. And, you know, that's why the regional biologists and wildlife managers make the big dollars because they got to make some really tough decisions some days. So uh, let, let's jump into that. If one of you guys want to touch that, on that for us. Yeah. D- Darren, Darren and I have, have kind of been involved since day one with the uh, Olympic national park and the grand Teton stuff. And, and, you know, s- Sometimes I, I think probably me more so than Darren, but I, I do kind of get hot headed about this a little bit, um, uh, you know, because it's it's mountain goats, you know. And so uh, anytime there's eradication of of any mountain goat, it just kind of gets under my skin. So uh, anything I say from this point on, please remember, I really do love the government agencies and I know they'd work really <laughs> hard <laughs> and they're not going to make everybody happy all the time. Um, but that being said, the Olympic National Park issue was one of the first ones that popped up for us where it really smashed us in the face as an organization. Um, and we really had our hands tied. There was really nothing that we could do to save that population of goats that, that were up in Olympic National Park. Um, the best we could do was minimize the loss, it seemed like. It was almost too little too late at that, at, at, by the time we really got involved. Um, the, the, the general idea was that Olympic National Park, um, they had uh, goats in there uh, considered, I guess, non-native for lack of a better term. Uh, they, they, there was a, a, an issue with the national parks that, uh, you know, they're, they're supposed to be kept in their pristine and original and natural state uh, with, with mountain goats uh, they wanted to, to get them out of there uh, because of the issues that were sort of being faced by um, other native species and native plants and stuff like that. Um, the, the problem became there were so many mountain goats up there that and the terrain was so, so tough that it was next to impossible to gather them up, transplant them and get them out to states that and places that would like to have them on the time frame that was provided. Uh, and quite frankly, I'm, I'm sure some of the spots were just going to be so hard to get to mountain goats that uh, capturing them and transplanting them was, was going to be a, 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 it just wasn't an option. It was too dangerous and it, it was, it was too crazy to try to pull that off. Um, so the, they went through and I, I think they went through their first round and, uh, uh, got rid of, of, of as many as they could. Um, and, uh, to a certain extent we, we were, I I think we were allowed and Darren can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I think we were able to at least salvage a little bit of, 
of uh, conservation uh, resource out of that um, by being allowed to, to access certain animals and, and um, not just leave them up there for dead and, and let them rot away. Um, so that's kind of the Olympic National Park issue in a nutshell. Um, it, it, it really was tough to, to watch. And, you know, when your hands are tied like that and you really can't do anything about it, it's frustrating. And, and I think that's where we all were with RMGA was we were just frustrated that no matter what ideas we were throwing out there, they, they, they just weren't either plausible or they just weren't going to work at all, um, given what we were dealing with. So Jason, can we dive down a little bit deeper, deeper in the hole even yet? And, um, so uh, I guess my understanding is part of the issue is it's not quote non-native terrain to them and they were kind of impinging on habitat for wild sheep and other uh other ungulates as well or is that the 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 crux of the issue there is that why they and obviously there you said there was effectively too many they've been so successful there but is that the problem or or is there other issues it's yeah it's something along those lines now the grand tetons the 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 grand tetons that was more of a sheep and goat interface issue my understanding is the Olympic National Park was more of a it was more of a resource issue. Um, the goats were just using up a lot of, of resources there, and uh, some of the the native uh, flora and fauna uh, they were they were using up a lot of it because, like you said, they were they were so good at at surviving and thriving up in the Olympic National Park that um, they were threatening not just one species, but quite a few different. That, that's my understanding is that they were threatening quite a few different native species up there in both, both plants and animals um, that they needed to be dealt with in some way, shape or form. So what was some of the competition uh, wildlife up there? I, I obviously I, the Tetons, we know there was sheep, but what, what was the Olympics? What other species were, was eating the grass and their, you know, their well, and I, I, I think the big issue was, and, and Darren, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there were, it was more plant-based stuff. It was, it was more okay. the, 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 uh, the, the stuff they were eating in general was native and they were just demolishing it in certain areas. Um, and it was having, uh, arguably it was having an impact across the board. Some of the uh, native species and, and plants on uh, on the Olympics situation was certainly an issue in certain areas. and uh, But probably the biggest problem there was the human interface again, where there was a, a huge uh, deficit of uh, minerals and uh, salt for the goats there and their attraction to the multiple users of that park was is a huge thing and they actually had a mortality there in about 2000-ish, 2001, somewhere in there. So this was one of the ways that they tried to justify the removal of goats in, in, in their entirety in that uh, park. Some people think that uh, they could have probably locally managed that a little better and uh, then probably not had to eradicate the entire uh, group there, but at least we did get uh, in and around 400 goats to another area in the uh, northern part, the northern Cascades of Washington. So it it wasn't totally a loss in that case. There was 400 spe- animals transplanted. 
Yeah, approximately 400 over three years, I believe, that they moved off there before they transitioned to helicopter removal. Wow, that's that's impressive. That many goats, that's uh, really fantastic. It's unfortunate, though, because all, clearly that is perfect terrain for them, perfect habitat. It's obviously they belong there, even though they're non-native, I guess. But, uh, yeah, that's really unfortunate that they that, that they removed them. Um Okay, so uh, let's transition then. So let's talk about some of the other uh, issues that, that you guys are dealing with. So you've kind of, uh, there's the Grand Teton and the Olympics that you guys have dealt with. That's been a big one for you. What's, what do you, what's on the radar now? Um, do you want to talk a little bit about the Glacier National Park? Um, we touched on it, but uh, is this a new, a new program for you guys, a new coloring study, or is this something that's, uh, is it just on your books, or you guys have proved it and this is a project you're doing, and what does that look like? Darren, did you have a chance to read the proposal yet? I mean, I we, we literally just got, yeah, we, we just got this thing, I think day before yesterday. So it's literally hot off the press. Um, the, the, uh, Glacier National Park, the, the, uh, federal government wants to do a study up there and they want to, it, it, basically they want to, try to achieve some objectives that actually line up fairly well with our, our mission statement. And um, they're going to go in and they're going to try to uh, uh, assess the population structure uh, uh, and, and population size and the genetic diversity of the, of the mountain goats that are up there. Um, along that line, they want to try and increase the uh, size or capacity or whatever you want to call it of uh, their genotype samples. And as you might suspect, and Kyle, I know you're smiling right now. Um, as you might suspect, there's probably about 10 people in North America that, that know what that means long-term. But <laughs> this is a long-term project uh, that we're looking at going into 2025 to help fund. Uh, it's one of the bigger funding applications that we've seen come through, at, at least in my time with RMGA, um, and so we're going to be, we're going to be throwing, we're, we're, we're being asked to throw some money at this as well as some, some, uh, citizen scientists. So this could be a, a really cool, long-term, uh, very engaging project up at Glacier National Park. And who knows where this goes? And unfortunately, like I said, we just got this a couple of days ago. We haven't had the Science and Conservation Committee uh, have a chance to look at it and provide the board with their take. Um, but when when you got the horsepower, uh, like the federal government coming and asking for money and time, and they're 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 talking about long term research projects, that's that's what we love. That's what that there's so many different directions that this could go. Um, it could go, you know, it, it could be very focused on just glacier or depending on what these really smart folks find in their research, it, it could travel out to everywhere that mountain goats are, you know, uh, it, it could reach down as far as Nevada down here where we got our goats. It could go all the way up to, to uh, BC and Alaska up where you guys are always fighting over who's got the best goats and everywhere in between, it it could it really could have some long lasting effects and some wide reaching uh, impacts, uh, and only time will tell. And and that's why it's exciting 
when you get any type of proposal that goes out just beyond this year or next year, you know, we're talking into 2025 when they're when they're going to give us progress reports in 2025. You know, that means that there's there's some real meat on the bone there. They're going to really dive in deep. Uh, it's a much more involved and engaging project. Uh, and and that's the that's the type of stuff that we love getting involved with. Uh, right on. I'd love to. Uh, I'd like to hear more of that as it evolves, and uh, it's going to be interesting. And yeah, it just this is all over my head at this point. But it'll be fun to to hear what it sounds and looks like. Um, so you mentioned the word citizen science a couple times, Jason, and I know Darren mentioned it as well. And uh, Darren, uh, maybe get you to talk this a little bit. I know in BC that the Wild Sheep Society BC. Uh, was working with our provincial wild sheep and mountain goat specialist, Bill Jex, um, on an app. So um, it's a citizen science app, and I think it's for goats as well. Um, can, is that Am I correct in that understanding, or is it just for sheep, Darren? No, that's, that's both goats and sheep, and uh, he was Bill Jex was very keen to allow other jurisdictions to use it if they chose to as well. So... But it, I think it's really expanded beyond what its initial in, input was supposed to be. Uh, the intent was initially to kind of monitor the, the timing of um, lambing and kidding in the springs to uh, understand the potential effects of, of uh, global warming or uh, the weather change in, in current years and so that was its, its initial intent, but uh, they're also getting a lot of data throughout the year in terms of um, lamb or goat or lamb or kid mortalities too, and what kind of recruitment is is being seen throughout uh, you know the season after the kids are growing and and the kids and lambs are growing. So. Uh, it seems to be a pretty powerful tool for them to be using right now, and, and hopefully it can be expanded beyond the borders of BC as well, because it seems to be very uh, effective. Yeah. So anyone listening will will include that uh, app in the uh, in the notes show notes here, and it's really important to get that information for anyone that's out on landscape that sees sheep or goats in their travels, and then for any other, I guess managers that might be listening outside the jurisdiction like darren said bill's keen to expand this to other jurisdictions so he's free to, you know, was willing to share it so pretty easy app to download i've done it myself i haven't used it because i yeah i don't want to give away my sh- secret sheep spots no i'm just <laughs> kidding but I, I i haven't used it much but i do have the app um and darren and i were i think darren was involved in the development of it bill had asked for some some comments on it and um, we provided some input and so it's a very cool app so encourage you guys to download that and get there out there and use it um okay so i guess jason maybe we'll go to um i know that you guys do a, a ton of work in terms of uh inventory and counts and it's a big part of what you guys do getting your you guys do a really good job involving your members can we talk a little bit about what you got in store for 2022 and what that looks like for sheep for goat counts yeah yeah the goat the goat count calendar is filling up rapidly and and we get texts and emails and messages through social media all the time asking about this and asking about that right now uh we're kind of in that stage where we are filling out the calendar um and we've got we've got 
lots of opportunities, it seems, because, you know, the last couple of years, it's just been so thin on projects because nobody was doing them with all the pandemic and all that stuff. But uh, right now, we've got the Bridgers and the Henrys, uh, and, and those are probably going to go off in July. And the announcement should come out here pretty quick. Uh, and, and those are historically uh, well-attended events from RMGA members just because of the location. Um, time of year, people like to get out and, and, you know, it's great weather. Get out, stomp around, look at some goats, camp, have fun with a bunch of people that you haven't seen in a couple of years. Um, and, and so those are usually well-attended events. Not much advertisement needs to go into those because they're, they're just so popular. Um, but we're looking at as early as August, getting involved with Glacier National Park and starting with that uh, uh, project up there. Uh, we don't have firm dates on that yet, but, but it looks like we're trying to earmark August for Glacier National Park. Uh, then we, we are, are still in the process through our regional representative and the BC folks up your guys' way uh, of, of uh, getting involved in that Elaho. Is it Elaho or Elaho? Elaho, yeah. Elaho, yeah. Elaho area, uh, kind of coastal BC. Uh, get up and go do a, a, a goat count up in that area. Still working out dates. Don't quite know when that's going to happen, but that's on the horizon as well for us. Uh, so stay tuned with that one. Those those are always fun. Um, uh, anytime we get to come up and spend time with you BC boys and girls, it's it's always a blast anyway. Um, but especially if we can do some conservation on top of the drinking and and other chicanery that goes on, then yeah, we, it's it's worth the trip. Uh, we've got uh, potential stuff that you know we're we're in the works with one in Colorado, uh, maybe Wyoming. There's, there's always the potential to go do a little bit of work in Utah. Uh, Utah is, is another area that we'd like to do some more projects in and get some better ideas. They've got some decent sized goats in, in uh, Utah. Um, there's some, you know, some, some uh, question as to, to real population numbers in certain areas. So maybe we can get something put together there and, and help out a little bit. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, we're, we're rounding out our calendar. We're trying to plug in dates and make sure everybody's aware of them. Uh, and, and again, thanks. I can't thank our regional representatives enough for out there just pushing the phones and getting the ear of the right person to be in the right place, uh, to help with the surveys, um, and then turn around and, you know, have our membership and, and anybody else that wants to get involved, get out there and go look through the glass and hike around and see some animals and, and have fun with that stuff. All right on, Jason. So, you know, talking about sheep numbers, I think this would be a good opportunity to talk a little bit about historic sheep numbers. What, sorry, goat numbers. Where do we see, what what are goats doing? Like, what are their current situation? Um, where What are they, um, how are they rated in terms of their conservation status? And historically, are we high numbers, low numbers, just kind of plodding along where we sit with all that? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that's a, Again, it's it's one of those more of, of a geographical location type question, but um, across the board, it seems like mountain goats are are pretty healthy. They're pretty well established. Um, anybody that's been around mountain goats, you know how hardy they are. Uh, they're they're pretty persistent. Um, 
they're 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 fairly tolerant of of human interaction. Um, so I think they kind of get comfortable in places that maybe other other animals may not get so comfortable in. Um, they 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 take care of their own. I mean, I you know I've been on other podcasts where uh, we've talked about how vicious a nanny can be in protecting her kid, which I think goes a long way in in uh, kid recruitment and survival. Um, nannies are fun to watch when they got a kid. Man, they're they're just tough as nails and they're, they're, they're as mean as a snake and, and they'll do anything to take care of their kids. So, um, and, and I, I think, it, you know, in, in small part, I, I'd like to give ourselves more credit, but I think in, at least in some part, I, I do think that our hunter education program in identifying the sex of a Billy and a nanny, the difference between the two, um, I think we are having an impact on uh, when, when, when hunters go out and they realize that taking a nanny is, is a huge hit to the entire herd. And so uh, they're being more careful and cautious to identify a billy and take a billy over a nanny. Um, you know, you pluck that nanny out and their, their, their breeding cycles a, a lot more stretched out than, than uh, deer or elk. Uh, they have a lot more, they're, they're more susceptible, you know, they're up in, in just terrain that can wipe them out, the, the avalanche dangers and, and living on cliffs and eagles can just swoop in and knock them off a cliff and, and kill one. Um, so the, the deck stacked against them, but they're tough animals. And, and I think across the board, a, a long-winded answer to your question, uh, I think our, our mountain goat population uh, all over North America, we're, we're not only are they hanging on, but they're, they're thriving and surviving. And, and uh, the, the numbers are increasing. And I think in our world, Kyle, I could be wrong, but it seems like a lot more people are interested in mountain goats in general. I think mountain goat hunting is becoming more popular. Uh, and I think, you know, personal economics plays a little part of that. But um, people are starting to recognize that mountain goats are, are actually pretty cool animals and they live in pretty cool places and they're pretty fun animals to hunt. Um, so I think the conservation efforts are there more, there, there's more resources getting dedicated to it. So, uh, we're, 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 we're seeing Rocky mountain goats, just, they're not just surviving, they're thriving. They're doing really well, uh, in, in the grand scheme of things, as long as the federal government doesn't send helicopters in to go blow them up. <laughs> yeah. Definitely a whole other podcast for New there. Zealand, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well said, Jason. And, and, you know, hats off to your team at the Alliance. I think that you guys are doing a lot of amazing things, but I, I have to <coughs> agree with you. Your education component is, uh, has been fantastic. Uh, you know, the uh, sexing stuff you guys do on your social media and you have such a strong social media following anyway. Um, you guys do a fantastic job. Um, and I think there's more to come. I, I know Darren, you're having some connectivity issues, but are you guys going to been able to talk about the course that you guys are working on um, for the uh, sexing and the aging, or I guess the sexing stuff for goats coming up? Um, can you touch on that at all? I'll take that as a hard no. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's muted. I yeah, uh, I think the connection is just really, really bad for him. Can you hear us? Okay yeah, again? I couldn't. I couldn't hear the question. I couldn't hear the question. Sorry. 
Okay. Yeah. No worries. Um, yeah. Just wondering about, um, I know you guys have been working on a, an educational piece for, um, for sexing goats. I'm just wondering if you guys could talk a little bit about that, what, what's in store and when you guys, uh, we might see something like that uh, on top of all the, the great work you guys are already doing. Okay. We'll, uh, we'll, we're going to put you on the sidelines for five minutes, Darren, <laughs> while you, <laughs> uh, darn connection. Uh, no, cool. Um, yeah. So just, you know, Jason, on that note, um, you know, you guys do such a fantastic job on the on the uh, educational component. I know there's a lot of great stuff you guys have coming down the pipe on on that aspect as well. And and really getting people's heads around the importance of, uh, you know, what happens when you harvest a nanny and that's that aspect of it. So uh, hats off to you and you guys' team for doing such a great job. It's certainly in the social media world on that uh, that, that particular subject. Yeah, thanks. Uh, it, it's it's really Darren does a great job of getting those things put together. Uh, anybody that follows our Instagram stuff, uh, he'll throw out quizzes and he'll, he'll throw up a picture and he'll say, bill your nanny and, and prove your answer, you know, uh, support your answer. Um, and it's fun to watch. And some of them are really hard. Uh, you got to you got to look. And sometimes you can talk yourself into something being a, a young Billy uh, or an, uh, or a nanny or, you know, whatever. Um, and it's fun to, to look at those pictures and, and follow up. It gives you something to do a couple of days later when the answer comes up, you know, um, Darren does a great job in putting all that stuff together. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, okay. Let's, uh, we'll segue a bit here and talk a little bit about fundraising. What's on. So you guys, we talked about your advocacy, your education. We've talked about your projects. Let's, touch on fundraising what do you guys got how can people get involved how can they get you some money if somebody wants to support you how do they do all that uh yeah we've got we got a lot of irons in the fire there uh as always the the sponsorship side of things uh we've got great support from corporate sponsors and individual sponsors we've got membership levels that that uh consistently provide resources to us to allocate to projects uh those are our those are two biggies. And, and on the sponsorship side, we will see uh, folks donate product for our auction. And just like you guys are doing, uh, we've got an a, a online auction that's, that's uh, kicking off here pretty quick. Um, everything's up. Everything's uh, loaded up and ready to go. We just got to hit the button and off we run with our auction items. So um, uh, it, we always have great stuff and, and, uh, it looks like you guys really knocked it out of the park this year, and, and we're hoping to at least uh, try and keep up a little, uh, at least keep you guys in in view with with our pace that we've got. Um, but we've got our auction stuff, and then we've got uh, the 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 big get that we had from last year that sort of trickled over and into this year is that uh, governor's tag from Colorado. Uh, our former development coordinator Ross Bruno basically took on the laboring ore and uh, put us in for the, uh, put RMGA in for the uh, governor's tag uh, for mountain goats in Colorado. And we were awarded the opportunity to auction that off. Uh, and this year we, we, we hit a record high on the number that we got for the, the tag. Uh, and we've got that for a few more years coming. Um, that, that was a, that, that added in, in a weird way that that one tag 
added legitimacy to our organization. It, it, it showed that, uh, you know, government agencies, not only are they coming to us for ask for money, but they're coming to us to ask them to help them get money in their doors as well. Um, and, and that's a, that's a big feather in our cap. And, and so that was a, that, that was a, a, a monumental point for our organization as far as I'm concerned. Um, and it, it generated some, some funding for us and some funding for the organization for, for Colorado, the state of Colorado, uh, uh, to, to keep plugging away on mountain goats and just trying to figure out what's going on and, and help the populations there. Um, uh, our, our, our sponsorship stuff, again, we've, we've always got folks that come in and, you know, you, you've got great sponsors that'll, that'll write a check to you and say, you know, keep us updated. Let us know where you're spending it. We'd love to have quarterly reports from you. We're happy to provide that stuff. Um, and then you get the organizations, the companies that just write you a check and say, hey, keep up the good work and off you go. And they trust us to, to spend the money the right way. Uh, the, the, <laughs> the the fun ones we're we're sort of diversifying in a way in in sort of what we're going after as far as sponsorships are concerned to try to generate funding um at sheep show you probably saw that we have a coffee company that's that's making uh rmga specific beans for coffee and we get a portion of every bag that's sold uh we also got uh, uh together with a soap company there's actually a Rocky Mountain Goat Soap Company that's out of Kansas, I think. And uh, they they make soap. And so we branded some soap and we get a portion of the proceeds from that. So uh, we, we've got all, all kinds of different ways and, and methods that people want to support us. And we're working through a lot of that stuff. Um, we have to protect our brand. And that's one thing that the board, we've, we've been very cognizant of is we don't want to just slap our logo on anything and everything. So we're being selective in who we work with and, and we're making sure that we're not getting in bed with the, the wrong types of organizations that just want to, you know, hashtag conservation on their Instagram. Uh, we, we're working with organizations that truly do care about conservation um, and, and donating their product or donating their money to us because they like what we're doing with it. And so we are we are pretty protective of our brand. We don't want to get it watered down too much and just take money from anybody and everybody, um, which that's a, another process in and of itself. But um, yeah, that's that's kind of it off the top of my head. That's I know I've, it's it's a long winded answer, um, but it we really have had a lot of opportunities to work with some great people uh, through a lot of different ways. Uh, so we're we're we are we're lucky that way and and. Uh, Keeping those relationships and developing new relationships, it's something we're always, always worried about. And, and we're always looking to, to try to uh, better ourselves and better the organizations that we work with. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And you guys do a fantastic job. And and your branding, like there's no better logo out there. The name, it's just, it just crushes. And yeah, I, I absolutely love it. Uh, well, you can thank Becky Martello. Be- Becky or, or Becky Martello. She liked, she found some stuff she didn't like in our logo. So she's got it all cleaned up. So you're going to see a bigger and better logo. Um, that's much easier to work with. It's much prettier. Uh, she, she got rid of a couple of things and she, she, she worked hard and she got it done. And, and so our logo just got a little bit better, Kyle, you're going to notice a big difference. I'm sure. 
Oh, okay. Well, I can see it's going to cost me some money and swag already. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> shoot. Okay. Well, at least it's going to a good cause. Okay. So let's, uh, can you touch on me for, for one second of uh, the Gol- the Colorado, uh, I guess, minister's tag or, or so you guys worked on, that was at sheep show. That was the one that sold at sheep week, right? Yep. Yeah. So sheep show, um, it, it, every, I think it's every five years, state of Colorado puts out for bid all the governor's tags that they have issued, uh, moose, elk, sheep, goat, whatever. And conservation organizations uh, can apply to be the administer, I guess, for lack of a better term, of that specific governor's tag for a period of five years. And so what what happens is it's a lengthy process. Um, You imagine the amount of paperwork that goes into it, the insurance requirements, all this stuff. But they they held a committee meeting and they had everybody that had applied uh, for each one of the tags. They they went through and just kind of analyzed the the best fits for all. Uh, And luckily, RMGA, we we got the GOAT tag uh, for the state of Colorado. And we worked with Wild Sheep Foundation uh, to auction the tag off on Thursday night, uh, which I, I think is conservation night at Sheep Show. And uh, so it went up for auction and it sold for an amount that it, it's it's the best it's ever done. That is awesome. So where I'm going with this is why the hell doesn't every freaking jurisdiction give you guys a go tag? You know, um, <laughs> hey, listen, it's it's been a when when uh, Pete Munich when when he was the president, uh, he and I talked a long time ago about m- maybe tracking down these types of tags, and you know the, a, a lot of states give away, well not give away but a lot of states will will uh, uh, offer up a, a governor's tag or or something along those lines They you know, they can call it a heritage tag or a governor's tag or whatever, depending on the state. But um, yeah, the, the state of Washington, for example, Washington's got one. Um, I, I, I think British Columbia and, and you guys know better than I do. I, I think British Columbia is considering doing one. I don't know if they have one yet, but I think they're considering doing one. Um, it, from our perspective, it, RMGA is a perfect fit to to help auction those tags off, and because the the money is is gonna stay with goats no matter what happens, uh, wherever we auction it off, uh, the, a portion of the money is gonna go back to the state or province that issues the tag, but our cut of the money is gonna stay with goats. And, and I think that's one of our biggest pitches. And I think that's something that the state of Colorado looked at pretty hard uh, is, is uh, the extent to which the money that was going to come in off the tag was going to be earmarked for that specific species. Yeah, uh, that's, uh, that's awesome. Well, I'm fingers crossed that there's seven at goat or sheep week next week, seven goats up for auction. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, now you guys have done some uh, in-person stuff. Like I, I think 
you know, you had something down Stone Glacier a couple of years ago and stuff like that, um, where you had some just, I think it was a pint night or something like that. Do you guys still doing stuff like that? Or is there, I know I, a lot of your stuff now is a volunteer work getting together to do the counts, but do you guys ever do any of that stuff anymore or, or will, will there be a goat show? Is there a goat show coming up or what's the plan there? That, that, that's a good question. And we just talked about it at our last board meeting, um, trying to find a way to uh, gather mountain goat folks in, in one location. Um, we discussed maybe having a virtual event, uh, maybe an in-person event. Um, we're, we're sort of in that weird spot where we're not big enough to maybe have our own elk camp or sheep show or something like that. But we're, we're big enough that if we did have a centralized location, we would maybe have to tie it to another event um, like sheep show or total archery challenge or, you know, something like that. Um, that it, it, it's something we're discussing and, and it should happen. Um, talk about a, 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 an event. Uh, it would, it would certainly cause a lot of law enforcement officers. I think a lot of heartache going into it <laughs> for sure. Yeah. But um I, I think it, it, it's something definitely that we're talking about, especially coming out of the pandemic. I, I think everybody's ready. We're all ready. We saw it at Sheep Week. I mean, Sheep Week was, it was busier than I thought it was going to be. And it made a ton more money than was anticipated. Another record year. Uh, a lot of the other con, uh, uh, conventions, they seem to be kind of doing the same thing. Um, I think people are just ready. They're ready to get out and they're ready to mingle and they're ready to meet like-minded people and, uh, it's yeah, it's something that we're definitely considering, and and I'd love to see it happen before my time with the board's done for sure. Yeah, right on, awesome. Well, keep us posted. You got my vote. I'll, I'm coming if you're doing it. So good, uh, cool. All right, so let's talk. We talked lots about conservation, about putting goats on the mountain. Let's talk about taking them off. Um, let's talk about. I know that you went, and you tagged along with Adam Foss on a a goat hunt because you came up to Jurassic two years ago and uh, had a great weekend. And then you and Adam were taken off. I think you were his guide, not jokingly, uh, <laughs> but you were along, along with Adam to watch him. But uh, you've hunted goats in BC, I believe. Haven't you, Jason? Yeah. Yeah. And that was actually that hunt with Foss was my hunt and Adam had to carry me. So no, he, oh, was, okay. he was the, he was the head honcho. Um, that was a, yeah, that was a great trip. And, and I've got, I've got nothing but fond memories of, of hunting goats in BC. And I think this year I'm going to try and go do it again. Um, I, I, my, my stone sheep hunt may fall through. It looks like, but if that's the case, I'm going to find a goat hunt to go on. And uh, you know, there, there's such great outfitters up your guys's way that I, it'd be stupid for me not to, you know, bend an ear to, and, and there's always going to be an opportunity to get out on a mountain and go chase some goats. I would love to do that that February hunt one of these days before I'm too old and infirm. Um, <laughs> you know, do slap on the crampons and go do some really dangerous, stupid stuff and try to get an arrow and a billy um, in, in in the coldest conditions I can imagine. I'd love to do that too. That's on my bucket list to do. Um, yeah, the the get, getting them off the mountains a heck of a lot more fun than most people realize they're just, they're neat animals. They're cool to be around. They're, they're, 
I, I think for me, and, and I've talked to a couple of the old time guys too, mountain goats seem to be tailor made for archery hunting. They're in just some great country. They're up in these giant cliffs and you got a lot to work with when you're getting in on them. And, you know, they're, they're more tolerant than sheep are as far as letting you kind of get into their space. Um, but they're just, I can't think of another animal that's better suited for backpack archery hunting than mountain goats. And so it's just, it's such a fun experience and you get to see some crazy places and you get to witness some crazy stuff. And I can't think of better people. You, you goddamn Canadians are just so much fun to be around (laughs) and have so much fun with it. And your, your high tolerance for pain uh, and your sense of humor and, and everything else combined, it just it just makes everything all that much better. So, right on. So it, would you, it sounds like your your favorite animal to hunt is goats. Then, it, well, you know how it goes. It's it's it, my my favorite animal is whatever's in season. But yeah. you know, if if I had my choice, it's mountain goats are just they're just fun. I can't ex- you can't describe it. It's just a it's a different experience. You, you got to have your head on your shoulders. You got to have your wits about you. You got to be able to shoot really well. Um, uphill, downhill shots, you know, those are so challenging. They're hard to practice. Uh, you, you pack your pack a little differently than you would for some other hunts. Um, you know, it's just there. It, it's just an all around really unique experience. And I can't think of a, a better way to truly experience backpack mountain hunting than just to march up after a billy mm-hmm. yeah yeah and they're some of the most demanding territory in the world for sure especially if you're doing that february hunt and you know minus 30 and you know slippery and avalanches and a hundred other things right so, yeah 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 it's i i i don't know why but that one's always been one of those that i i it's on the bucket list for sure cool cool well we taught touched on a bunch of stuff here and there's so much more and I, I could take you guys, we could talk all afternoon and I'm not going to do that to you. I appreciate you taking time out of your day, but I guess before we sign off, um, if people want to get involved, uh, you guys are doing great work. I, I'm a huge supporter, life member. I love what you guys do. Um, just a privilege to be affiliated with such a great organization. So if people want to get involved, uh, how can they get involved? What do they need to do? Where do they need to go and get signed up as a member to support the great work that you guys are doing? Yeah, it's just on the website. It's goatalliance.org. Um, take a look at the page. Uh, we're in the process of maybe tweaking that a little bit and updating a few things, but our membership stuff is right there available on the left-hand side. Um, we're a transparent organization. Everything you need to know about the organization is right there on the website. Uh, all our projects, all our conservation efforts, all our, even our bylaws, I think, are on there, which, you know, how many organizations have their bylaws up on their webpage, but uh, everything right there you need to know about the organization is on goatalliance.org. Um, we've got yearly memberships. We've got three-year memberships. We've got life memberships. Um, and, and you know, and if there are other ways you need to figure out how to get involved uh, with projects, that stuff's posted on the website or you can go to our, our social media page, which is just uh, Instagram. It's goatalliance um, and, and keep updated there. You know, we're always posting about what our next project's going to be or, or, uh, uh, where we're going to be going or, or what's on the horizon for us, who our sponsors are, all that stuff. So 
yeah, those are the best places to start for sure. Fantastic. Well, Jason, Darren, I just want to personally thank both of you guys. I, I, first of all, you know, like I said, uh, Gold Alliance is doing fantastic work. It's exciting to watch what you guys are doing. I love just keeping an eye on where you're going and, and what you guys are doing. It's really exciting to be part of that journey and seeing what you're doing and where you guys are taking it. Um, but then I just want to say to both of you, um, Darren, you've been heavily involved with the Wild Sheep Society of BC as a Wild Sheep Ambassador. Um, and I know that your work doesn't stop with the society, that there's probably a dozen other organizations that you support heavily uh, day in and day out throughout the year. Jason, I know the work that you do for the foundation. I've had the privilege of working with you in the Wild Sheep Foundation and uh, the Ram Awards and all the other stuff that you do. And it, the list goes on and on and on. And I won't do it justice today. So, you know, uh, kudos to the Alliance, but uh, you too as well. Uh, I just have to, I don't usually give such a shout out, but you guys do such a fantastic job. I'm really, really grateful for, for everything you do for conservation for all species. So thank you both. Yeah, thanks for saying that, Kyle. Appreciate it. Does Darren get one word in edgewise here? <laughs> yeah, I think I reconnected and I'm I'm good for two or three sentences. That you're obviously a very good example for the rest of us as well. So I appreciate uh, being able to share in the in the conservation world with you. I appreciate it, gentlemen. And uh, yeah, no, I... Uh, we had issues with Jason's connectivity on the last one, and this one we were having issues with you, Darren. But we got some some stuff out of you, and appreciate you guys taking the time today. And uh, and again, thanks for all you do. And, and we'll be sure to share your your guys's uh, auction and stuff, and we'll make sure that we're there supporting you guys and making sure we're we're getting those goats on the mountain. So thank you both. Have a wonderful day, and uh, appreciate everything. Appreciate it, guys.